Well, thank you for allowing Donna and me to take some time off last week and go spend a little bit of R&R on the beach. We really enjoyed that. Uh, missed you, but we really enjoyed that. And um, I understand that Brent did a wonderful job in uh, my absence filling in for me. Uh, and it was so nice. Like I said, we're going to do it twice. So he's got a part two to that teaching that he did last week. So we're looking forward to hearing that more on the provisions of Psalm 91. Praise God. Yes. Brent, come on up here, buddy. Let me pray for you real quick before you get rolling. Well, Father, I thank you for this faithful man of God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, he has labored over this word all week. And uh, I just pray in the name of Jesus that uh, what you planted in your heart would come out of his mouth with power, that as he opens his mouth, you would fill it with words of life, O Lord. I pray that as that word goes forth, it would accomplish the purpose for which it is sent, and it would not return void. It would be planted in the good soil of our hearts and produce a harvest of righteousness for your name's sake. And for these things, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, thank you, Pastor. All right. Am I audible? All right, this is a part two. If you weren't here for part one, that's no big deal. Um, so we will touch on a little bit of a reminder here today for part one today. Uh, same terms as last time, might get a little fast and furious on the scriptures. I've put some uh, notes here to help facilitate that so I won't be shuffling around looking for things. And uh, just ask you to, uh, to be with us and bear with us in this part two under the shadow of the Almighty, is called Because. So let's all honor God by standing for the reading of His Word, and then we'll get into this message here. All right. Psalm 91, verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Praise God. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Praise God. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise the Lord. You may be seated here today. All right. Psalm 91, the feel-good psalm. It's much cherished part of scripture. And we should feel good about it. We have every right to feel good about it for the right reason. The second half of this wonderful psalm that we just stood for and that we just read, it gives us three reasons why we can be happy about Psalm 91. But Psalm 91, even though it is for everyone, the promises are not obtained by everyone. Now I want to say that again and, and think about what I'm saying. God's word is for everyone. God makes his, he spreads his word, he casts it abroad. 
And it's for everybody. He spreads his seed abroad. It's for everybody. Not everybody's going to plant it. Right? Not everybody wants to obtain it. The promises are real. They're for everyone because they've set forth their heart and mind to love the Lord. Because it says... Now I'm going to go here in verse 9. It says, and this I think creates a, a segue for us into a bit of a review. Verse 9 says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Now, that was last week. That's last week's stuff, right? It's, um, we have made the Lord our dwelling place. And so by way of review, that dwelling place is entered in a certain way. It's not entered casually. Right? It's entered with an act of faith. And don't worry, I'm not going to re-preach last week's sermon. I've get, got to get through this, though. This place that we're going to is not of this world. It's the war camp of Christ. And you get in there, you're suited up with God's armor, not just part of it. How much of it? All of it. All right, very good. The one person that knew the answer wasn't here last week. Thank you, Steve. I'm going to look at you again next time, so you just you stay on point, all right? All right. Abiding under the shadow, there's no neutral zone, right? The enemy's patrolling that. He's looking for a way in. He's looking for you to come out, so you can't go in and out. Don't hokey pokey. There's no neutral zone, right? You remain in there. It's not good enough just to get in there. You got to remain in there, and you can remain in there because God grants you something. He grants you a measure of faith that's an abiding faith. And if you didn't have an abiding faith, he wouldn't ask you to use it. He's giving it to you. You stay in there when you entrench in God's word. How much of it? Not part of it, but all of it. Oh, very good. Some of the people were here last week paid attention to that part. So that's good. And it says in verse 9, Remember, it says, because you made the Lord your dwelling place, and just because, because you did it, no evil, no plague, angelic escorts, and supernatural authority. That's a good deal. And I'm going to take that one every time. Amen. Right? Amen. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, who is Bill's refuge, right? Even the Most High, because you made him your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Hey, I believe it. Praise God, I believe it. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I'll take it. I want it. Amen. Praise God. In their hands they shall bear you up. How many times have they done that for me? Countless numbers, I don't know. But in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you shall dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, a young lion and a serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Praise the Lord today. Praise his holy name today. Imagine this. You heard what those words were. Imagine this. This Lord's radical protection in a war. Now, I don't know if you can put yourself. We had, maybe it's... You know, not, there are no coincidences. Veterans Day, right? We had our honored ones stand up. And some of you, if, if you didn't get in the war field, you practiced being in the war field. And I can guarantee something happened 
when someone makes a battle call, something about you is going to change. You're going to rise to the occasion or you're going to crumble. And commanders can't have armies that crumble. Well, David is endowed with the Holy Spirit and he gave a motivational speech. But imagine this scene because some of these men have been there before and some have not. But imagine the battle call goes out. The army lines rush toward each other. And you're in, a, you're in Israel. And men who are rushing with swords and spears toward each other trip instead on a rock. And they fall. And because they fall, someone comes behind them and takes them out. And as they run through the bush and the things, they're, they're stirring up nests of, of venomous snakes. And some men are being bit on the legs and poisoned by snakes, even as they're running to fight. And then off on the perimeter, because lions don't like the sound and, 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 the, and the busyness of people. Off in the perimeter, the Asiatic lion looking and waiting for an opportunity to come on down and make himself at home. That was the reality in the battle. And it wasn't just battle wounds and animals that took people out. In a war camp, plagues and diseases far outnumbered the deaths by disease and plague and by exposure. Even up through the Civil War, more people died from disease, non-war related, non-wound, died in the camp from disease and exposure. Not so for God's army. David, through the Holy Spirit, assures his warriors that God is going in front and plowing the road ahead of them. He is doing the same for you and me. Do you believe it? Amen. I believe it. A physical battle was raging for the Israelites. That's the backdrop of Psalm 91. But we know our real enemy is not with flesh and blood. It's with invisible powers and principalities and evil rotten things. A spiritual battle is raging today and you're in it. You're in it. There's not a neutral zone. You have made a decision whose side you're fighting on. In the spiritual, the devil is characterized by these same names. He's the serpent. He's a prowling lion. But those who put, their, put themselves under the shadow of the Almighty, they have been given supernatural authority yes. over the devil and characterized in here as, as lions and snakes. In the spiritual, Jesus said in Mark 16, he said, go into the world and preach. In other words, he says, get in the battle. These signs will accompany my warriors. In my name, under my banner, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues and they will pick up snakes with their hands. And like the apostle Paul, they'll shake that thing and they'll throw it in the fire where it belongs. Amen. Amen. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. The snakes and lions that we trample on are from the pits of hell. It's called lies, doubt, injustice, depression, oppression, deceit, all whipped and stripped, defeated, defeated because, because we march under the banner of Christ. Praise the Lord today.
Yes. The Lord's weapons are not just defensive. The Lord's weapons are offensive. We don't have to wait for trouble to find us. We have authority to seek and go and destroy and to have targeted missions. If you think serpents and lions aren't prowling around us, then you're, you need to think again. The serpents and the lions are prowling around your property and they're prowling around your happy family and they're looking for a way in. Don't wait for them to make a move. Go on the offensive. Dedicate your home to the Lord. Walk the halls of your house. Declare the truth of God's word. Psalm 91, your place. Protect your place. Put a shield around your lawn. Put a shield around your deck. On your deck furniture. On the grass. Upstairs, downstairs, and in the basement. And put your hands on your family. And pray Psalm 91. And claim it because it's yours. Go on the offensive. You don't have to be defensive. Praise the Lord. Don't wait for trouble to come knocking. Use your supernatural authority. Put on the full armor of God and hunt down that lion and break its teeth. Take a hold of the snake and shake it into the fire. The Lord is for you who can be against you. Hallelujah. Praise God today. The Lord's protection is physical and spiritual. It's visible and invisible. Now I've heard someone say, I didn't see the Lord deliver me. And I, when did the Lord deliver me? And I'm going to ask this question. When did he not deliver you? When did he not deliver you? If you can't see that the Lord's delivered you, you're, not, you're looking with the wrong set of eyes. We don't look with human eyes. We walk by faith and we use our spiritual eyes. We can open our eyes to reality. Those things that we don't see happening, they didn't happen. God took them out of your path and that's why we don't see them. Praise the Lord. I want you to go with me today. If you have a device or a Bible with me, Let's, let's go over to 2 Kings. There's a wonderful um, passage here that will make this illustration for us. In this passage, we're going to see a fear response and we're going to see a faith response. And I'll bet you can catch them when they happen, right? So just a little bit of a backdrop. The, um, the Syrian army was looking for the prophet Elisha. And Elisha, he had this young servant that was with him. Now just imagine the king of Syria is looking for you because he wants you to prophesy something. And he's not your friend, right? He's the, he's the commander of the enemy. So he shows up and the servant and Elisha are there as the army marches around and starting in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. That's some serious business, right? And his servant said to him, alas, I like that. That means, oh no, my master, what shall we do? That is a fear response. Is that going to honor God? No, it doesn't honor God, right? But thank God we have a faith response right around the corner. Elisha, the prophet says, he answered, he says, do not fear. There's a faith response. Now we're honoring God, right? Something's about to happen. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
Well, there's two of us here with my physical eyes. And there's a whole army over there. That's the fact. I don't care what the fact says. I won't care what God says. Right? Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses, of chariots, of fire all around. Oh, praise the Lord. I say, I got to get me some of those. You already got them. You've already got them. That's what the Lord does for his people. So let's put on our spiritual eyes and let's see the Lord is protecting us. He's protecting us in the battle. He's protecting us when we sleep. He's protecting us when we're in the shower. He's protecting us when we're driving down to Walmart. And he's protecting you right now. He's protecting those doors right now. He's protecting his. We've got the word of the Lord. We've Psalm 91 this place. We've got the Lord's protection all around us. Praise God. Let's give him, give him a hand clap for the Lord today. Thank you for your protection, Lord. We're not going to believe anything else. Praise the Lord today. All right. Hey, guess what? There's more. Let's go uh, get our master text here. Because you know God's name. So verse 14, I'm going to do 14, 15, and 16. Because he has set his love upon me, that is now God talking about you. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Why? Just for any other reason? Nope. Because he has known my name. That's a good reason. That's a good reason for God. That's all it takes. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. My, the God of the universe who deserves all honor and praise is going to flip that around and honor you. Praise his name. Woo! With long life, I will satisfy him. I'll show him my salvation. Praise the Lord. You know, the Lord's names are powerful. He said... Because you know my name. Oh, look at the power that God unleashed. Exaltation, honor, and deliverance. Ephesians 2 said, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We don't have to wait for it. We've already been exalted. We've already got it. What does Psalm 23, 5 say? You all know that. He prepares the table before me in the presence of who? Whoa! Right there on the battlefield in the presence of my enemies. He puts a table out. He brings me there and what's he do? Anoints my head with oil. If that's not honor, I don't know what is. If being exalted next to Christ isn't being exalted enough, and being honored enough, then there's no pleasing you. You need to find somewhere else besides heaven because that's what you get, right? And there is no more exaltation or honor than that. Hey, but you know, God doesn't stop. He is a giver. He's going to give you deliverance. Hallelujah and praise God today. Yes, he does. 
He's going to give you deliverance. Jesus said about his deliverance, he said that the Lord protected us by the name God gave Jesus. Oh, there's power. There's deliverance. I say that name all day long, right? I want to cover myself with that name. Praise God today, right? Let's praise his holy name. All right. Well, the Lord's names are powerful. And last week, I didn't know, I didn't want to talk about it then, but I want to talk about it this week. I get moody like, like that, and I don't know. But last week, we went over it, and I, you can look in your Bible today. I'm using the New King James Version because it's got the King's words in it. And you can see four, in two verses, you get four names for God. And they're good ones. The Most High, the Almighty, the Lord, and my God. Just in two verses. As a matter of fact, the Lord's names and titles are just too numerous to put on one of these slides with a big enough font. Right? All right, we can put them on there, but you'd have to do some squinting. And you know these names as well as I do. I don't have to teach you anything about God's names. They're all his names and titles. I'm just here to deliver this part of the message. We need to not just pick and choose which names of God we like and stick with those. We need to observe all his names and all of his titles, and we need to strive to live by, understand, and act according to what those names and titles mean. Right? These are good ones. I love them. Abba, Daddy. Oh, I use that one. Whoo. I say, I've got my Kleenex. I'll be all right. All right? Lamb of God, he took away my sin. I love it. Right? He's wonderful. He's a counselor. He's almighty. He's got my back. He's got my front. I love that stuff. Right? He's also the Holy One from 2 Kings and Matthew. He's the Righteous One from Exodus, Deuteronomy, Job, Psalm, and the book of Acts. He's the Judge of all the earth from the book of Genesis. And he's the lion from the tribe of Judah, from the book of Revelation. What's the point? Well, the point's this. God is to be embraced warmly, lovingly, and gratefully, but also respectfully. There's a time for jumping and dancing, and there's a time for getting on your knee and kneeling and bowing, and revering. We need a balance of both. I don't know if you don't get on your knees and revere the Holy One as the Holy One, what are you going to jump about? Right? We need to balance. We need to strive for the whole package, right? Jesus came the first time as a lamb, and the next time he's going to come as a lion. There's a time to cuddle, and there's a time for battle. Amen? The one who was judged for our sins is coming to judge all the earth. He's holy God, the righteous one. The loving father, he's already provided you with everything. The ones that don't know him as daddy in this life will have to face him as judge in the next. The ones who don't bow to the lamb in this life We'll have to face the lion when Christ returns. We've got work to do, people. 
We've got work to do. And knowing God by all his names informs us what kind of actions that we need to be taking. We don't want people to have to face the lion. We don't want people to have to face a judge. We got to speak the truth into the darkness. We got to get into the battle and trust that God will plow the road in front of us. And we've got to speak the words of God and spread the gospel while there's time and while there's breath and while there's a moment in this world before eternity comes. Praise God today. Strive to know Him by all His names and get out there and win souls for the name of the Lord. That's fine. All right. So, I just needed a break anyway. I don't know. I check my heart rate. It's good. Okay, because... You set your love on the Lord. Let's take a little bit more of this. Verse 14. Verse 14, all of verse 14 says, Because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. And in verse 16, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord's promises are eternal. And he's going to show us his salvation. Psalm 23.6, if you haven't started to notice, there's a little theme here between Psalm 91 and some other psalm. Psalm 23.6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, how long? Forever. Forever. All eternity, right? John 3.16, I can't say it in any other uh, translation. I'll go King James on you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Lord's promises are eternal because you set your love on the Lord. Now that's, I don't know, do we talk like that today? Well, I've set my love on you or I love you. It's just fine. But I think what, what's trying to be communicated by the Holy Spirit is it's not just this flippant little, uh, uh, sorry, pastor, I got the, the rainbows and there's a polka dotted unicorns and goosebumps, right? It's not all that. You've got more than this, this feeling and an emotion. This is you dedicating and setting your love on God like you promise in a wedding vow. I set my love upon you in sickness and whatever I'm there to fixate on, to focus intently on, and to delight in. You, you get some unicorns at the end, right? Now look at this. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. I sing in the shadow of your wings. Oh, what a declaration it, that is. But it's got to be based on something. In the book of Genesis, God gave Abraham a wonderful promise. And what did Abraham do? He believed God's word and God credited it to him as as righteousness. 
We set our love on the Lord when we fixate on God's word and believe it. Look at this next scripture. Blessed is the one who delights in the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Which parts of it? Part, all of it. All of it. Notice the, the scripture reference. What's that? Psalm 1, 1. That is the cornerstone of 150 psalms. The very first one that they, they put it all together and said, that's the first one. Psalm 91 was the 91st one. Not that there's any certain ranking, but the very first one, the cornerstone one is for people who meditate on God's law day and night. That is what the Psalms are for. We honor God and we set our love on God when we fixate on the written word. And we love God and we fixate on him when we delight in the living word, his son, Jesus Christ. God set his love on us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He set his love on us by giving his only begotten son. What should we do about his son? We will set our love on the Lord by loving his son. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. God set his love upon you and we set our love upon God when we trust in his written word and when we devote our whole life, body, mind, and soul to the living word of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 again says that when you set your love upon the Lord, verse 16 tells you that you get more than you bargain for here because it says you will have long life. Verse 16 says, with long life, I will satisfy him. Long life. That's literally length of days. And so that's why I put that there. You want to live a long time on the earth? That may or may not be a noble pursuit, people, but you want to live a long time on the earth? I do. I'm going to declare it. Psalm 91 says I am. I'm going to say that all day long. Until I get tired of living here, I'm just going to keep saying I got a long life. I'm not tired yet. And the only reason I'm not tired is God gave me a purpose to live. He gave me a second chance. He let me back in the camp after I deserted him once. Let me back. I'm not going to let him down this time. I'm going to declare his word. He says I have long life. I've got it. Praise the Lord. There are other scriptures that talk about long life. It said, honor your father and mother that you may live long on the earth, it's the first commandment with the promise. Paul said that, but Paul got it from God, right? He got it from God. God said it in the book of Exodus. Young people, if you're blessed to still have your parents, pay attention. I'm 57 years old. The Lord has blessed me with four parents. They're all Christians. My mother and father divorced. But my mother and my stepfather are good Christian people. 
and I loved them. I didn't always honor and respect them, but I think I was always that close to getting knocked out of this world too, right? You know, I can't tell you what it's like to be my age and to, to have my parents, my dad and my stepmother, good Christian people in Florida. And I, I honor them. I love them. And I quit being a brat when I was about 45. Isn't that right, Samantha? That's right. Honor your father and your mother if you want long days upon the earth. All right, let's get back to objectivity here. <laughs> Peter said, you want to you live long? He said his context was you want to have a long number of happy days. You want to have long happy days? Then he says, watch what you say. Watch your mouth. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from lies. Don't say anything about yourself that you don't want to happen. Speak God's words. Think God's thoughts. I have a long life in Jesus. In Jesus. I don't have it in and of myself. I don't have it because I got lucky charms. I have it because Jesus Christ got off his throne, took up a body, went down to this earth, paid the penalty for my sins and rose again in power. And now I have long life in Jesus' name. That's what I'm going to say. Praise God today. Now, you're going to notice there's going to be a change of tone here. The Lord has put something heavy on my heart. And I brought, uh, it brought to my attention. I tried to get out of it. And I, I'll be honest, very, I'll just disclose the whole thing. I, I wanted out of it. I thought if I went and played outside or took the dog, it maybe it'd go away. And it didn't. That's not, he wouldn't let me off the hook. There's an elephant room here. And that elephant room is, there are people that we know that set their love on God. Body, mind, soul. We saw them in the mission field. We saw them even maybe if they were younger and just singing in a Sunday school class. We know people that love the Lord and yet their lives seemingly to us in our, in our understanding, their lives were cut short. That's an elephant in the room. And I've, I've, I tried Man, I struggled. I consulted with the pastor before. I mean, even in April, I, I talked with the pastor about it. And I thought, oh, the Lord's let up on me. And he, he didn't. But he gave me this. We know those that have passed away early. And this calls for patient endurance on the part of God's people. That comes from Revelation chapter 14. That's a war scene where that statement's made. It's the final conflict. It calls for patient endurance on the part of God's people. And here's what the Holy Spirit gave me. And I tried my best to put it on this slide, word for word for what he gave me. And he gave me this. We are at war. Those who set their love on God and have passed, no matter what age, by choosing Christ, they honored God with their life. The early death of a saint is never in vain, but rather in honor, for they witnessed Christ to a dying world. That was put on my heart. And I think the scriptures come in here 
and they come in strong. Stephen was cut down in the prime of life for speaking the truth. He was a strong witness to Christ. And before he was taken out, he looked up and he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That's where Stephen is today. He's alive with long-lasting days, endless number of days, praise the Lord. Abel, for no reason, no good reason, was cut down in the prime of life just because his brother was jealous. But by faith, he was commended as righteous, and by faith still speaks, even though he is, quote, unquote, dead. That's where Abel is today. Still speaking today in the book of Genesis, Enoch. 365 years old, you think, now what's he talking about? That's, that 365 for Enoch was young. His father lived twice that long and his son lived twice that long. Enoch was in the middle of his life. And what the scripture say to us, what does scripture say? It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him. It calls for patient endurance, but ultimately God is God. And we must walk by faith knowing that all saints who set their love on God, no matter how young or old, they're translated out of the battleground and they're put in a table that's prepared before them and their head is anointed with oil and they're alive forevermore and eternal. And it's not just for them. It's for us. Because really, as Pam said today, what matters is eternity. Right? And your eternal life has already begun. Don't think for a minute that you chose for Christ and that you got under the shadow and now you have to wait. Oh my gosh. No, don't do it. Don't even think that way. They have already passed from death to life. You've already got it. Your eternal life has begun. Ephesians, for he has raised us from the dead and seated us with him. Seated in the past tense. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We're already there. And I'm going to wrap up with this quote by Trimper Longman. Christians can pray Psalm 91, knowing that God is with them in the spiritual battles of this life and that in Christ, God will give them eternal life. Psalm 91 is a feel-good passage. But God is not a, a, he's not a box of frosted lucky charms and he's not a blank check for living any way that you please. But his promises are real and they are obtained by your choice, an active will, an active faith that's fueled by love. Psalm 91 is a feel-good scripture. We have every right to feel good about it because we've made the Lord our dwelling place, because we set our love upon the Lord, and because we know His name. And because of all of these things, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me. 
Heavenly Father, Lord my God, thank you, Lord, for your promises, for they're all yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Lord my God, we trust you and we thank you and we accept this. Lord, we have set our hearts to love you. We've set our hearts, Lord, to know your name. Lord, and we have dwelled in your house. We've claimed your camp. Lord, I pray today for those that are listening on the recording and those here. Everybody here, Lord, your word does not go out void, but it's accomplished its purpose. Maybe not on this day, and those that are hearing in the future that are listening to this recording, it's not by accident that you're hearing these words. I pray while it's still time for all of them, Lord, there's still time to come under your mighty shadow. There's still time to come under the camp of Christ, and that's my prayer today. Lord, thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. I ask the pastor to come up and close us, and God bless you all today. That was great, Brent. Thank you, brother. Um, I do want to just uh, say a quick word about uh, the elephant in the room that he talked about, because we do all know people that, you know, maybe they were supposedly walking by faith and saying all the right things and what have you, and maybe they contracted a disease and they were standing on the promises and Psalm 91 and all that, and by the stripes of Jesus were healed and, and all that, and then they died anyway. Well, I want to give you an example or two um, just to clarify that we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes with people. We don't always know what's really going on in their hearts and their minds. And uh, I remember um, several years ago in this church, there was uh, a frail little old lady that uh, she was in her 80s, but just loved our church, loved the service, uh, even loved the music at that age. And we have a little bit more energetic uh, music here. And she loved all that. And she was a very vital part of our service or our church for a long time. Then her husband, who did not come to church with her, he was kind of, I think he was in the faith, but he just, I don't know, didn't express it the same as she did and never came to church with her. Well, he died. And she was in her early 80s at the time. And she really missed him, and it was a big blow to her. And then a couple of years later, she contracted cancer. I think it was cervical cancer. Is that right, Donna? I don't remember what kind of cancer it was. Anyway, a uh, very serious situation. And when she got the news, she called me, and she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that I want to go home and be with my husband. I, I, I want to go home and, and just go and be with Jesus and my husband. And I said, sister, that's perfectly okay. If that's what you want, I bless that. I didn't try to talk her into anything because when you reach that age and you've lived a good long life and your husband leaves this world, if you want to go, who are we to say, oh, please stay for our benefit? She wanted to go home. So that was her desire. She wanted to go home. But then a very close, close friend of hers that also went to this church just couldn't bear the thought. She was, this other lady was 15 years younger than our friend who eventually did go on to be with Jesus. And um, she just couldn't bear the thought of being without her. And so she talked her into 
standing on her faith and proclaiming the word of God over her healing and what have you. And uh, so she changed her tune and said, okay, I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to you know, proclaim his word and uh, stand on my faith, exercise my faith. But she just got worse until she eventually did go on to be with Jesus. You know what, folks, listen, we can't always know what's in people's hearts. The first thing that she said, that's what was in her heart. I want to go be with Jesus. So sometimes people are saying all the right things and they're, they're doing all the right things outwardly, but inwardly, that's not really where their faith is. And we can't judge those people for that. She wanted to go on and be with her husband. I don't have any, there's nothing wrong with that. So the elephant in the room that Brent was talking about, I think that was a really good point that we have to consider that sometimes people do go on to be with Jesus and we don't understand why, but we don't always know what they're really believing and what they're standing on and what's in their heart. And I'll give you one other short story along those lines. And uh, many years ago, I was in another church and there was another lady that, at that church that contracted cancer. And she was a faith gal as well. And she was standing on the word of God, or so it seemed, outwardly. And then one day, somebody came to her and said, hey, there's a healing conference in Indianapolis. I really think maybe you ought to consider going to that. And she said, well, you know, there's this other conference that has to do with this hobby, whatever she was doing. It was, I don't know what it was, but it was a conference pertaining to one of her favorite hobbies. They fell on the same day. And she said, well, I really want to go to this other conference because I, this may be the last chance that I have to attend that. Well, she just revealed what was in her heart, didn't she? Okay. And again, it's okay. I mean, she's in heaven today. She did go on and be with the Lord. It's, I mean, I can't fault her for that, but that's what was in her heart. And you can't slap somebody over the head with a Bible and say, stand on faith. They've got to choose it or reject it. And in her case, she was saying all the right things. It looked like to everybody else that she was standing on faith. But what was in her heart was, this may be the last time I ever get to attend one of these because I, I may be out of here in a few months. And that's exactly what happened. So the elephant in the room that I think Brent so eloquently talked about is that, yeah, there are people that pass from this world and we don't understand it, but we don't always know what they're believing for either. Okay, even when they're saying the right things. Um, even one of my favorite Christian singers from the late 70s and early 80s, Keith Green, wonderful man of God, tremendous man of God, but he didn't believe this way. Listening to some of his teachings that I, that I was privileged to, to listen to, and again, a great man of God, but he believed that uh, basically God's going to do whatever he's going to do whenever he wants to do it, regardless of what you and I do. God works in mysterious ways sometimes, and sometimes he takes people out, and we don't understand why. That's the way Keith Green believed. Wonderful man of God, great music ministry, etc. But I believe that when you talk like that and believe like that, it opens the door to the enemy. Just as um, Job, you know, Job's practice, if you look in the early chapters of Job, it said of Job that he got up every morning. He was so fearful about his kids that he got up every morning and made sacrifices for his kids for fear that they may have done something that would have um, angered God and subjected them to his wrath. So that was his, he, was, he lived in fear about his kids. And then one day something did happen to all of them. And you know what he said? What I greatly feared has come upon me. 
Yeah, so fear opens the door to the enemy. When we walk in faith, it closes the door to the enemy. So I appreciate Brent bringing up that elephant in the room because sometimes, you know, when we preach a message like this, teach about Psalm 91 and the promises uh, of God in those chapters, we, our minds can go to, well, I knew a person that was standing on faith and they died anyway. Well, you don't always know what they're confessing and believing, right? You don't always know what this, what's in their heart. Maybe good people in heaven today, but we don't always know what they're standing on. Does that make sense? So thank you, Brent, for bringing up that particular point. I think that was well said and good timing. Yeah, come here. Okay. I was just going to add that, you know, like Brent said, though, those people that did, that did go on to be with the Lord, we celebrated their life because they were beautiful Christians. And, and, you know, so we did, we honored them and the Lord honored them. And, um, you know, and I, I also think, too, that um, like right now, you know, now is the time to be building your faith, not when like a disease or something comes along because you, when people have been hit with a serious disease, you know, you don't feel very good. You don't feel great. You're, you feel bad. So sometimes it can be hard to stand on your faith if you feel really terrible. So, so be building it now, be building your faith and don't even receive those diseases or those bad reports. Don't even receive it. Your faith will be at the place where you're ready to say, what? Nope, that's not me. I don't receive that. So just now's the time. Now's the time to be walking and believing and walking in health. Don't even let a, I mean, I'm speaking to myself too, but don't even let a cold, don't even let a anything come up on you because now's the time to be building our faith. Preventive medicine. What, what, what's Andrew Womack say? It's always, it's always better to um, walk in the promises of God on a regular basis rather than get to the point where you need a miracle. It's, it's better to live in such a way that you don't need the miracle rather than get to a place where you have a potentially catastrophic situation that then you have to believe God for. So walk in faith all the time. So that's a good point, Donna. Anybody else? Questions or comments before we close? Yes, Phil. Yes, watch what you say. Absolutely. Watch what you say. Then it's important the words that come out of your mouth. Absolutely. So the person thinks in their heart, so are they. So even though they might be confessing something, it might in their heart they're thinking, eh, this is, right. you know, so it's... it's right. Yeah, good point. So Steve says that um, it's important what we think about and ruminate upon because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So sometimes we can be speaking words out of our mouth that completely defy what we really believe, which is kind of the points that, that I gave with those two ladies. So that's a you know, great point. Good. Anybody else? Questions? Comments before we close? Yes, Don. I, I know all the truth that we're hearing here, and it's just awesome to be in the house of the Lord with believers. Um, my sister was 17 years younger than I, and when she was just four days after her her birthday, she was 33, just turned 34, died of cancer, left four kids behind. We were just new in the faith at that time, and we were just starting to learn what faith was, you know, from... Um, our brother um, Hagen and Copeland at the time, so way back, um, probably over 30 years ago now. But the thing that we did wrong, we didn't understand, so we did the best we could. But I would read the Bible to her, and we were, you know, we were trying to confess healing and and to believe God for her healing. And since it was so new, 
we didn't realize that we had to pray and, and read heal, healing scriptures. It doesn't do any good to confess a scripture over somebody who's sick if it has nothing to do with their sickness. I mean, this is what I've learned. I believe this is true. Um, just to read any old thing like, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. Well, you're reading a word, but is that healing somebody? Well, my sister, after a year of very serious disease, went on to be with the Lord. But the thing I did learn was, and just like our brothers are saying today, is it has to be in your heart. Because she became so sick and just had to do all kinds of treatments in the hospital and everything. And just got worn down, worn down, worn down. And like what Donna was saying, now we know that if we confess the scriptures, read the, read the healing scriptures if that's what we need, or prosperity if that's what we need, we have to be on point with the scripture, with what we're desiring from the Lord. And then we can live and not die and live a long life. And if it's in our heart to do so. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because it's important what you're saying and what you're reading. And what you're believing. Yep. Yes, Steve. You have to guard your heart from those negative people. Right. Who, you know, well, oh, well, I know such and such. I had that and da-da-da. And then so, well, I don't receive that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stand on God's word. And that's what I'm going to believe. Yeah. Amen. So. Amen. You know, one of my favorite stories, and I'll end with this, um, along those lines about being careful what you say is that Keith Moore told a story one time I've never forgotten. Um, and he said that he was asked to come and pray for a, a lady who was in ministry. She was a faith gal and she got cancer and she got sicker and sicker and sicker. And every time she would eat something, it would come right back up again. And so she couldn't keep anything down. And she just, her body just it wasted away, yeah, to, I think she, he said she may have been 90 pounds soaking wet when he went to pray for her. And this was a, this was a woman who was involved in ministry in a faith church, so she know, knew these things. But she was laying in bed, she was so weak, she could barely talk. And when Brother Keith went to pray for her, um, she talked like this, and she could barely, barely get a word out because she was so weak, she would see, speak like this. And she said, Brother Keith, I'm, I'm so weak, and I can't eat anything. Whenever, whenever I eat something, it comes right back up again. And Keith kind of lovingly rebuked her. He said, don't ever say that again. He said, whenever you eat something, even if it comes right back up again, say, I have a voracious appetite, and when I eat, it stays down. And he said, even if you have, again, even if that doesn't, happen the first time and you throw up and you have to wipe off your mouth. Say it again. I have a voracious appetite and when I eat it stays down. He had her begin confessing right there as she laid in the bed and he, he said, sister you know these things, you know these scriptures and he said, just repeat after me, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And she could barely get the words out at first, I'm strong in the Lord. <sighs> and the power of his might. That's how she did it. And he said, say it again. 
And uh, they went through this a dozen, two dozen times. And he said, by the time he left, he could hear her out the window. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And she was sitting up in bed, and she began to, she began to eat. And, and several months went by, and he didn't see or hear or anything about her again. And so he saw someone who, who knew her, and he said, hey, what about sister so-and-so? What, what's, what's going on with her? He said, oh, brother. He said, she's put on 30 pounds. She has a voracious appetite. She is up and around, and she's doing great. And uh, so, you know, sometimes, like you guys are saying, the, the words that come out of our mouth are so, so important. Don't ever be the kind of person who's like, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to make it. I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick and busted and disgusted and just moan and bemoan your situation. That's never going to get you anywhere. This is a whole different teaching on the power of words, so I'm going to... I'm going to wrap it up here now and maybe do a teaching on that at another time. We've done those teachings before, but that's just a nice little reminder that uh, we do need to be aware of the power of our words and be aware of the power that comes out of our mouths and make sure it's coming from a heart of faith and it's based on the word. Amen. Can you say that with me this morning? I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Let's say that as we, as we close. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stand up with me if you will. Hallelujah.